Let's pray. Lord God, may we live lives that are addressed to you through your Son, in your Spirit. Amen. Well, a very good morning, uh, and well done for adapting to the clocks being changed. Uh, You are either here uh, at the right time, or you were just so late enough and so confused that you've ended up here anyway. So, well done either way. Uh, My name is Josh. I am a member of uh, the church, and it is my joy to be uh, talking to you today about the subject of prayer. Uh, Now, this comes as part of our sermon series called Playing Our Part, uh, where we've been looking at what are the kind of key rhythms of prayer. church life and individual discipleship uh, that we are called into. And the aim of this sermon series is not to say anything new, Uh, so I'm sorry you're not going to get some profound new insight into the nature of prayer, but it's just to simply remind ourselves about, and ask ourselves, how are we doing? To give ourselves a bit of a kind of spiritual spot check or MOT, both kind of corporately but also individually, and say, what what are the fundamentals of the Christian faith? And how are we doing? What more does God have for us? And, I, and I've been asked to speak about prayer. And if I'm honest, it's, it's daunting. And it's daunting for two reasons. First of all, because when I think about St. John's, and when I think about St. John's at its best, so often it is St. John's at prayer. And this is a prayerful church. Think about the youth lock-in that happened a few days ago. You think about the 24-7 uh, prayer room that we did in the run to Pentecost. St. John's, at its best, is always praying. Uh, and it is a church that gets the importance of prayer. So it is daunting to stand up here and talk to you about prayer. And actually, some of the, one of the things I really enjoy about all the kind of the slightly mad plans that we've got for the next few years and the, how scary that is to the fact that it's going to force us to be praying more and it's going to force us to getting on our knees more because we're not going to be able to do it any other way. But the second reason why it was annoying was the fact that when Graham asked me to speak about prayer, I was a bit annoyed because I would have, asked, I would have liked to be able to preach on something that I didn't feel I was rubbish at. And... You know, well, and you might be asking, well, Josh, looking down the list of other things, I'm not sure there's anything you're not rubbish at. But I think that there is, there is something about prayer that elicits, I don't know if this is just me, but elicits a guilt. Because it is something that we are profoundly aware when we're not doing. We are profoundly aware that we seem to be not being right. We uh, can, often, can often feel like we're surrounded by people who are going for it in their prayer lives, are getting really clear direction from God as to what they should be doing, uh, can kind of jump into the presence of God easy. Uh, and there's me just kind of left there being like, well, I don't pray enough, and you know, this might be from God, but I don't know. And, uh, and, but, I spoke, but, but the good news was that when I begun to kind of drill into, well, what, what is it that I want to say about prayer uh, today? was that so much of it was actually about speaking grace over and into that feeling of guilt uh, that can uh, kind of take hold of me when I think about prayer, and I imagine can take hold of other people uh, here when they talk about prayer. Because the good news about prayer 
is it's part of the good news. It's part of the same story that we, t- that, that we talk about when we talk about the life, death, resurrection of Jesus, when we talk about the gospel. Too often, I think, we divorce the stories we tell ourselves about prayer from the story we tell ourselves about Jesus, the story we tell ourselves about God. And so what I want to do in three very simple kind of ways of looking at this passage is just draw out the ways in which we can reclaim grace at the center of our prayer lives. So let's jump in. Jesus starts this famous kind of introduction as to how to pray uh, by asking us not to babble on like the pagans, or, or in the version I've got in front of me says, do not heap up empty words. I know all too often there is temptation to try and justify yourself in prayer, to say prayer is something that I have to do to earn my way into God's presence, that he doesn't know all this stuff and I have to get his attention. So I love it that Jesus starts the, kind of starts the Lord's Prayer and preludes it by saying, God knows, your Father knows all this stuff, and he's inviting you to say it all the same because he wants you to join in. Prayer is not about initiating uh, God's attention to your life, God's knowledge of your life. It is not about earning it. It is about responding to his invitation to join in. It's about joining in the love and the life of God. It's not about this access that we're talking about today. It can't be earned. It can't be earned by the fanciest prayers. You don't have to pray in a particular way. It has already been earned. God already cares about what you have to say. God already knows what you, have, what you want, what you need. And it is simply about responding to that invitation to join in to the life and love of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So I love the fact that Jesus starts with this because it's saying that actually all prayer, the prayer he's about to pray, flows out of trusting in God's faithfulness rather than wanting to test God's faithfulness, rather than wanting to earn God's faithfulness. How often do I find myself in prayer trying to justify myself, earn God, earn God's attention, test God, instead of just saying, no, I trust in your faithfulness. And because I trust in your faithfulness, because I trust and know that you already know me, I'm going to be honest with who I am before you. So that means it's not a competition. You pray out of that faithfulness. You you pray out of that trust and liberation. So that means you can just, you're free to pray how you, how you find helpful. There is no formula to prayer. There is just praying in the way that brings you into the presence of the Father. And if someone really bad at prayer, it might be helpful to know that I pray, at the moment my prayer routine is very simple. I listen to a podcast called Praise You Go as I'm walking to work, and then, which is about 10 minutes, and then I will sometimes pray for the, kind of the rest of the tube journey there. And then at the end of the day, I will uh, do a short devotion and then jot down all the things that I am thankful for uh, that day, all the things I want to pray for. And those are two very simple rhythms. They don't take up a lot of time. But what, they do, what I found they do is they frame the day in prayer, because I've started the day thinking about God and talking to God, he suddenly shows up the rest of the day, and I suddenly recognize his presence in the rest of what I'm doing. And then because I know that at the end of the day, I'm going to have to kind of jot down to myself what I'm thankful for uh, and, and the things I'm sorry for, I again notice God's Spirit working there. 
And, and cumulatively, those two kind of times are 20 minutes of structured time. But they're just short ways that I find helpful in framing my day in prayer, uh, noticing God at work, and being able to talk to him regularly in the day. And neither of those are particularly pious ways. It's a podcast and making a list, fundamentally. But I found it helps me. So I encourage you to experiment, to do simple things, just to do something. You're not trying to earn God's presence. You're, trying to, you're trusting in God's faithfulness. And out of that, we pray. So then, second point, our Father. So Jesus is very clear that when we are to pray, it is a, prayer is fundamentally a life addressed to God. I think all too often in my own prayer life, I notice that I spend a lot of time in, kind of quotations, prayer, either talking about myself and starting the sentences with I, or talking about God. So saying, God is like this, and oh, should I, should I be doing this because God, God might not want me to do that, and how, how do I know? Instead of saying, God, you're there, this is what I'm struggling with. Uh, Karl Barth, the theologian, said something very helpful in writing about prayer, uh, which I'd already had this, which I was quite happy this week, because I'd already had this thought about kind of first and second person. Uh, and then I read this in Karl Barth, and I was like, ah, he thinks the same thing as me. So I'm going to quote Karl Barth, because I trust that you will listen to him more than me. So he writes, Human thought and speech cannot be about God, but must be directed toward God called into action by the divine thought and speech directed to men and following and corresponding to this work of God. Human thought and speech would certainly be false if they bound themselves to divine it or something, since God is a person, not a thing. But human thought and speech concerning God could also be false and would be any rate unreal if they related themselves to him in the third person. What is essential for human language is to speak of people in the first person and of God in the second person true and proper language concerning God will always be a response to God which overtly or covertly, explicitly or implicitly, thinks and speaks of God exclusively in the second person. Do you see what that's saying is that prayer is a response, as we heard earlier, and it's, and it's stemming from that, it's coming from that place of recognizing that prayer is being in relationship with God, it is not knowing stuff about God. And then Jesus goes on to say that we, we are the first thing we are to pray is we are to proclaim his name is to be herald, hallowed, holy, separate, exalted. All prayer flows from this place, Jesus says. It is striking that before we pray his kingdom come, we are to pray... Uh, your name be hallowed. Uh, before we pray, your will, uh, will be done, we are to pray, your name be hallowed. Before we pray, give us this day our daily bread, we are to pray, your name be hallowed. Again, Karl Barth says, prayer begins with the movement in which someone works and seeks to win further clarity about the fact that God is the one who rules. Again, all prayer must stem from a knowledge and a recognition that God is who God is. 
when we start from that place, when we start from that place of recognizing who God is and addressing the God who we serve, the God who we love, the God who loves us, then things start to make sense. The kingdom flows from who God is and emanates from who God is. It is not the other way around. God is not God because he provides for us. He provides to us because he is God. The famous verse in Psalm 27, verse 4, says this, One thing I ask from the Lord, this only do I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze on his beauty and to seek him in his temple. Striking, isn't it? When we're, to, when we're to pray, the psalmist says, it is not first and foremost one thing I seek that people would come to faith. Lord, one thing I seek that justice would come in Hoxton. One thing I seek that the church finances would be more plentiful. Those are all good things, but they're not the, they're not the primary thing. The, thir- the first thing that we have to pray is just to be present to God, is just to dwell in his house. Once we are there, we can then seek those things with God. But I'm aware of myself, there is a danger that I approach prayer as a way of getting stuff and God as an effective strategy to achieve things rather than someone who wants to partner with me in seeing those things come. So that's, that, that's a question I leave you with. Is God someone you are praying to or someone that you are praying about? Is God someone that you are wanting to work with or someone that you are trying to use for a particular end? I think a lot of this chimes with what Zoe shared uh, last week on True Worship. And if you've not listened to that, do go onto the SoundCloud and uh, listen to it about saying, actually, where is our heart directed? That we can pray at all is the greatest prize. I think a lot of my worries and maybe yours about unanswered prayer misses the fact that prayer is itself the greatest answer to our fundamental human need and cry to be in communion with God. How often do I miss the fact that God has answered the fundamental cry of my heart in allowing me access, by allowing me to even pray? because he has not answered a specific demand yet in quite the way I would want him to. That we can pray at all is the greatest prize, and it has been won on the cross by Jesus. It is striking, friends, that Jesus speaks these words. It is striking that Jesus speaks our Father. He speaks them in confidence and in light of what the cross will achieve that we can pray our Father with the Son of God because of what he achieves on the cross for us, that through the blood of the Son we are adopted into sonship. Ephesians 2.18 tells us that we pray that through him we have access to the Father in one spirit. We are drawn into the life of God through the sacrifice of the Son. So what that, but what that means is that, as Hebrews tells us, 
that when we pray, we are joining in with the prayer of the, of the Son. The Hebrew tells us that we have a high priest who is interceding for us, who understands all that we need. So that you may feel in, your, in the darkest prayers, where you are most lonely, you may feel that you are praying alone, but you will find if you listen, there is another voice praying for you. There is another voice interceding for you who understands what it is to be alone. When we pray out of the deep hurt, we can trust that we have a high priest who understands who has lived a human life. Hebrews 4 tells us, For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weakness, but we have one who is tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. Yet let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. It is out of God's sacrifice, it is out of the Son stepping into the Father's presence again, that he brings us with him. We never pray alone. We pray with the Son. Prayer is not something you have to initiate. Prayer is something you join in with. But then that means that that priestly vocation of the high priest of the Son also is something that we step into because we are told elsewhere in Scripture that we are uh, a royal priesthood. So that we are then to intercede for each other, because again, we are to pray our Father, not my Father, and the R is, not, is, is never just me and Jesus, that the R is me, Jesus, and you lot. So I am to be praying for you all, to be interceding on, on your behalf and with you, as my brothers and sisters in Christ. So, that, so, so we are to join in with Jesus as he cries out for his church. But we are also to join in with Jesus as he cries out for the world. We are to join in with the intercessions of the great high priest as we join in with the priesthood of the church in crying out for his world, in crying out for other Christians, in crying out for other for non-Christians. We are people called to pray because God loves us and he loves the world. You don't have to initiate prayer. Prayer is simply about joining in. I realize there's a temptation when talking about prayer that you just talk about prayer and you kind of ignore the points of what I've been trying to say. Uh, So I'm going to stop there. I've probably already spoken too long. And I want to invite us to pray. Uh, And I think there are... Well, I, th- I think there's, there's probably one group that I do feel uh, th- that I feel we should pray for, uh, but I think it's a group that we're all in, and it's that group that I spoke about, the, the people who can feel trapped by their own guilt about prayer. So if you've ever felt guilty about not praying enough, would you please stand up? Be confident that everyone will stand <laughs> And I just want to pray very simply that you would know the grace that's at the heart of prayer, that prayer is itself the invitation into the life of God. It is not about earning God's faithfulness, it's not about testing God's faithfulness, but it's about trusting in his faithfulness. So let's pray.
God, thank you that the good news about prayer is that prayer is part of the good news. Thank you that by your Son we have been brought into access of the Father's presence. Lord, we're sorry for the ways that we get distracted. We are sorry for the ways in which we are not seeking you on a day-to-day basis. Uh, But thank you, God, that you are a God of grace, that that grace and that love will cast out the guilt, will cast out the shame. And may knowledge of your grace liberate us to explore and experiment with new ways of praying, new ways of understanding who you are, new ways of addressing you in our day-to-day lives. Well, God, thank you that you have met St. John's so faithfully and so beautifully in prayer over the years. We pray that you would do more so. We pray that we would be so captured by that spirit of prayer. But that the primary motivation of that would not be a particular outcome or a particular need, other than the need just to be in your presence. May all else overflow from a desire to be in your presence, to be before you.